Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Welcome to Nature Folk. This is Selena Fox, and Nature Folk is one of two podcasts that Circle Sanctuary sponsors and produces every week. In Nature Folk, we explore nature spirituality through ritual, through reflection, through discussion, and sometimes through workshops. And Circle Talk is a talk show with conversations with the Circle Sanctuary radio team and thought leaders and people of many paths. Tonight, we focus on winter solstice on nature, folk. I invite you during this podcast to join me in connecting with the magic and the sacredness of winter solstice time through ritual. Winter solstice has been a sacred time of year for thousands of years by people of many cultures and many places. There are a variety of ancient sacred sites around the world that are aligned to the rising and or setting of the solstice sun at winter and or summer. I wish all who are listening live and listening later a wonderful solstice. The ritual we'll be doing tonight is a winter solstice ritual, but I also want to wish happy summer solstice to those tuning in who are in the southern hemisphere. In the next few moments of quiet, as we prepare to do a winter solstice ritual together, I invite you to find a comfortable place to be, to minimize, eliminate distractions, and to do what works for you in creating quiet, and sacred space.
You can do this ritual seated or standing or laying down. It includes some chants, which you are welcome to join in, speaking or singing them, or reflecting upon them as I do the chants. Our ritual also will include reflections and some guided meditation. So in the next few moments, take some deep, slow breaths to center yourself Envision the place where you are at as sacred space. As I ring a bell, we begin. We gather together to celebrate winter solstice time. We celebrate the turning of the wheel of the year. We celebrate the beginning of winter. We celebrate the beginning of the new solar year. We celebrate the light and we celebrate the longest night. We use the power of our mind and imagination as we do ritual together, each of us in our own place, joined together with others who are listening live and listening later, through work with imagery, with intention. We begin by creating a sacred circle. Imagine a circle of evergreen garlands forming around you, moving clockwise around you. And as the evergreen circle comes into place, sparkling stars appear on the evergreens, a kind of holiday lights. encircling you, connecting you with the beauty and magic of solstice time. We connect with the fragrant greens and the twinkling lights. 
of the magic solstice circle around us. And we celebrate and deepen our connection with solstice and this solstice circle with a chant. Circle of light, circle of sound, circle of solstice, circle around. Circle of light, circle of sound, circle of solstice, circle around. Circle of light, circle of sound, circle of solstice, circle around. And in our circle of solstice, we imagine a beautiful altar at the center. On the altar is a beautiful black cauldron representing longest night. And in the center of that cauldron is a tall red paper candle and you light it to represent the solstice sun. Around the cauldron now you kindle additional candles connecting you with the symbols of this season and the magic of lights on solstice time nights. Imagine yourself kindling candles around the cauldron and the tall red candle. Each of those lights contributing to your connection with solstice. Solstice as you are celebrating it, and solstice as it has been celebrated, is being celebrated, and will be celebrated. Solstice lights on longest nights. Solstice lights on longest nights. Solstice lights on longest nights. As you connect with this chant and connect with the lights and the magic of longest nights, 
Know that you are celebrating. and joining others in many places who are celebrating at this time of year. And you call into the sacred solstice circle the powers of the sacred directions. Turning and facing the north, a green column of light rises up from the place where you are at and extends into the sky. Powers of north powers of earth, powers of solstice. Come, be with us. Bless us with physical good health, with material well-being. Now, and in the new solar year to come. We turn and we face the east, and a golden column of light rises up into the east quarter. Powers of East, powers of air, powers of solstice, come, be with us, bless us, and guide us. Bless our minds with wisdom, with memory, with learning. Now and in the new solar year. And facing the south. We see a beautiful red light forming a column from earth to sky. Powers of south, powers of fire, powers of solstice. We call to you to come and bless us and our doings. with energy, vitality, creativity, now and in the solar year to come. Mm -hmm. 
And in the West, a deep, beautiful blue column of light rises from earth to sky. Powers of West, powers of water, powers of solstice, we call to you to bless our relationships, our feelings, our moods with joy, with compassion, with connection, with good intuition, now and in the new solar year to come. And as we turn, we face the north and then the center. We connect with the land beneath where we are. Connect with the sacred site where we're doing our right. Connect with the planet Earth our home. Powers of land, powers of planet, we call to you, deepen our connection with you now and in the new solar year to come. May we deepen our attunement and work in good ways with others for a sustainable environment, a sustainable planet. And above us, Calling in our minds the deepest, darkest night with twinkling stars and planets, the Milky Way as we connect with the sky above and the cosmos. Sky and cosmos, we call to you. Help us deepen our connection with you and have better understanding of our connection with the larger universe of which we are all part. May we grow in that wisdom and understanding now and in the new solar year to come. And in the center, we call spirit. Spirit, 
that's within us and around us. Spirit that connects land and sky, planet and cosmos. Spirit that connects us with north and earth and air and east and fire and south and water and west. Spirit that is interconnecting source, interconnecting force of the sacred. Spirit, great spirit, we call to you and honor you. Guide us in our spiritual life, in our attunement with divine as one and many, in our connection with solstice of the ancient past, of our past, of our present, and solstices yet to come. We connect with this sacred circle and we experience our sacred circle with its twinkling lights in the evergreens around us, with its sacred flame on red candle in cauldron surrounded by other lights. We connect with the spirit of solstice, with the community of solstice celebrants across time, around the world, and beyond. And in this winter solstice rite, we focus now on those sacred candles in our midst. We experience the circle of light around us but the beautiful candles that have been lit and that are glowing before us. We chant to celebrate the solstice candles. Solstice candles glowing bright, inspire us with your sacred light. Solstice circle, Yuletide right, bless us on this longest night. Solstice candles glowing bright, inspire us with your sacred light. Solstice circle, Yuletide right, bless us on this longest night.
solstice candles glowing bright inspire us with your sacred light solstice circle yuletide right bless us on this longest night we honor Yuletide divinities. We call them forth. To honor them. To align with them. To learn from them. Yuletide goddesses. Yuletide gods. Yuletide spirits, we call to you to be with us at this solstice time. Yuletide goddesses, we call to you as maiden as mother, as crone, as three-in-one. Yuletide goddesses, you are known by many forms and many names. We call you in this rite as Maiden Lucina, goddess of light with a crown of green, and lit candles, Lucina the Maiden, we connect with you and honor you. Yuletide goddess as mother. We call you as magna mater, great mother. You who gives birth to the sun child. You who are known by many names. We call you by one of them. Magna mater. And we also call you Ops, the goddess of fertility, of abundance, of prosperity. Bless us with your golden gifts of riches your gifts of generosity and abundance, your gifts of creativity and fertility. Yuletide Goddess Mother, we call to you.
Yuletide goddess is crone. We call you to this circle as Bafana. Wise old witch goddess, the Yuletide witch, rooted in traditions of solstice time, of old Rome, the aged wise priestess, doing divination during the Saturnalia at temple in amongst the people. We call you Bathana knowing that you are just one form of the wise crone. Bring us wisdom and insight. Aid us in honoring old traditions. Aid us in sweeping away from our lives what is no longer needed and gifting ourselves with what is needed. We call to you and honor you, Goddess Bafana. And we call to the God, the God of the sun, the God of the solar year, you shine brightly, you are eternal, you transform with the turning of the wheel. Sun God, guide us and be with us at this solstice time as we move into the new solar year. We call to the God as Holly King, as Saturn crowned with Holly wreath. We call to the old solar year passing. We call to the Holly King the Holy God, as God of abundance and prosperity, aid us in our celebrations and our preparations for the new solar year. And we call now 
to the oak king, to the oak god, to the god who has the strength of the oak. To the solar year waxing, to the Yule log blazing, to the acorns that nurture and in iconic form inspire. Come, oak god of Yuletide, Give us strength as we go into the winter. Give us strength as we let go of what is needed as the old year passes. Give us strength to innovate and sustain ourselves in the new solar year unfolding. And we call to the spirit of Yuletide. Yuletide spirit, Yuletide cheer, Yuletide magic manifest here. Yuletide spirit, Yuletide cheer, Yuletide magic manifest here. Yuletide spirit, Yuletide cheer, Yuletide magic manifest here. In our sacred circle now, as we gaze into the solstice lights before us and experience the solstice lights and evergreen around us. On this longest night, in this solstice rite, we connect with symbols of solstice. With those who have gone before, with those that are celebrating solstice now, and with those who are yet to come to carry on solstice traditions. We experience ourselves walking clockwise around our central altar that's glowing with candles. We walk the circle of solstice. 
And then we come and find a place where we can sit and be comfortable. We close our eyes and visions appear. Of Yuletide of the ancient past. And as we reflect on Yuletide of ancient past, an image comes to us of people celebrating Yuletide at a sacred site. Spend a few moments letting a memory, a vision, a connection form in your imagination of a Yuletide at an ancient sacred site. Envision it and connect with it. And as you do, Let a word, a phrase, or a symbol from this ancient Yuletide celebration come to you and reflect on that for a few moments. and give thanks. And you open your eyes and you gaze into the cauldron with the red candle that has a beautiful flame and you experience the other candles around the cauldron. And as you feel ready to journey into imagination further, you once again close your eyes. And this time, you call to mind a yuletide of your own personal past. A yuletide memory comes to you. It might be you celebrating with others in your family or with friends. It might be you celebrating on your own more recently or it may be 
from your youth. Let a personal Yuletide memory come to mind, and as it does, focus on a Yuletide symbol connected with that memory. And strengthen your connection with Yuletide that is within you by whatever name it was called earlier in your life. What learnings do you take from the Yuletide symbol and this memory from your own personal past? Reflect. And give thanks. And then focus again on your Yuletide altar of lights and cauldron. You close your eyes again. And this time you connect with Yuletide present. You reflect on what things you have experienced of a Yuletide connection. How have you been with Yuletide this year? What Yuletide imagery have you seen? Have you worked with in your own home? With places you've visited, public and private? What Yuletide music, conversations, education have been part of your Yuletide this year? Celebrate your connection with Yuletide present. And as you gaze at the cauldron and the candles before you, you call to mind 
the kindling of those candles and the yuletide present of this ritual. And as you close your eyes, internalizing those images of yuletide lights on longest nights, you reflect on your connection with individuals, families, small groups, organizations, communities around the world that are celebrating solstice in some way. Those celebrating the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere and also experiencing connections with those celebrating summer solstice in the southern hemisphere. Strengthen your connection with the solstice celebrants. Recognize and reflect on how you, keeping solstice in your own way, is part of a much larger movement of people strengthening, deepening connections with the cycles of sun and seasons. Envision a beautiful network of pathways of light connecting Yuletide circles now and during this season. Experiencing yourself at Yuletide present being part of a much larger Yuletide present with people of many traditions, many languages, many spiritualities, nationalities, ethnicities, ages. Keeping solstice, celebrating Yuletide. As you experience those connections, let love and joy and peace and feelings of well-being resonate deep within you and then also extend along the pathways of light that you've envisioned networking all the different solstice celebrations together. Yuletide present celebrating connections. Yuletide present celebrating connections. Yuletide present celebrating connections. Present celebrating connections. 
and as you celebrate connections with those who are celebrating solstice each in their own ways, expand your envisioning of Yuletide present to also include those who are celebrating Christmas religiously and or in secular ways, pop culture ways, those celebrating the change of the calendar, New Year. With this solstice present, we experience the ways that those of us in nature, spirituality paths, are also interconnected with those of other spiritual and philosophical traditions. We experience love and joy, peace and wisdom. as we call to mind others celebrating Solstice Present. We direct our attention to the cauldron with red candle glowing and other candles around it And as we gaze to individual lights and the lights as a whole, we acknowledge and consider our solstice present celebration as being part of a larger foundation for solstices yet to come. You spend a few moments now calling to mind some way you may celebrate solstice a year from now. Some existing tradition that you plan to do or perhaps selecting a new thing to do that can become its own tradition. Spend a few moments and project yourself into the solstice of next year. And focus on continuity, the exact way we may do a tradition or the traditions themselves may go through changes. But keeping the sacred time strengthens our connection 
with the rhythms of nature, with the cycles of the season changing, with the cycles of the sun. And we focus now on solstices of the future years from now, centuries from now. Putting forth the intention that the solstice, winter solstice and summer solstice, that the solstice celebrations of ancient past, of personal past, of personal present, of global present, we put forth the intention that solstice will continue to be present, to be freely and openly celebrated with greater understanding amongst those of different paths, with greater joy, with greater love, wisdom, generosity, connection. We project our well wishes for the solstice future. An ancient tradition connected with solstice time is that of making peace. And as we conclude our rite, let us focus on peace being in our world and beyond. At this solstice time, in the new solar year to come, and in the foreseeable and unforeseeable futures, make peace on earth. Make peace within at the sun's rebirth and round the wheel again. Make peace on earth. Make peace within. At the sun's rebirth and round the wheel again. Make peace on earth. Make peace within. 
at the sun's rebirth and round the wheel again. Make peace on earth. Make peace within. At the sun's rebirth and round the wheel again. We give thanks to the sacred forces we have called and worked with in our winter solstice ritual tonight to the north and earth, east and air, south and fire, west and water, land and planet below, sky and cosmos above, spirit, sacred sun in center. To yuletide goddesses, yuletide gods, yuletide spirit, to the yuletide community, of past, present, and future, to the Yuletide circle and lights around us, to the cauldron, red candle, flaming, and other candles before us. We give thanks. We give thanks. We give thanks. Solstice peace upon us, solstice peace within us, solstice peace around us, solstice peace, world peace, inner peace, solstice peace upon us, solstice peace within us, solstice peace around us, solstice peace, world peace, inner peace, solstice peace upon us, solstice peace within us, solstice peace around us, solstice peace, world peace, inner peace. Now and in the new solar year to come and beyond, so mote it be. Solstice sun shining bright, shortest day and longest night, solstice wish of hope and cheer peace on earth throughout the year. Thank you all for joining in the Solstice Rite. May these chants, these meditations, these invocations, these reflections that you've experienced tonight continue to aid you and others 
in celebrating solstice, now and in solstices to come. So mote it be. Solstice circle of light and sound, solstice circle uncast, now around. Solstice circle of light and sound, solstice circle now uncast around. Solstice circle of light and sound, solstice circle now uncast around. I invite you to stay tuned for Nature Folk. Next week, we'll be doing more Yuletide and stay tuned for Circle Talk. We have a very special program tonight. And we have a solstice song taking us in. I invite David and or Jeanette Ewing to come on and tell us what we have coming up this evening. Happy Yule. Happy Yule. Happy Yule. So, um, tonight we're going to be transitioning with the song. Uh, the Song of Solstice by Jennifer Cutting and Ocean, one of our favorites, and they happen to be right here in the D.C. area, which is nice. Yes, and who do we have coming up tonight with uh, with Deb? With Deborah Rose. Um, I'm going to attempt to pronounce the name, and we'll get correction here shortly. I'm sure. Um, Doctor Zohara Hieronymus. Yeah, and a book um, has come into being that we're going to find out about spirit animals. Right, White spirit really- animals, prophets of change. So we're interested in listening to this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, stay tuned, and may you all have a wonderful evening. And more information about Circle Sanctuary, you can find us on Facebook, the web, on Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find me as well that way. And we'll be continuing our Yuletide celebrations in coming days and for the rest of the month. So stay tuned, and here comes Song of Solstice. Gateway of the year, short his day and dark his hour. Praises as our newborn son journeys back to its full power. Praise the sun and solstice high, through the wind and weather. Welcome you all with frost and fire and sing we all Seeds long sleep, nourished hope, the 
to heal our own personal and collective wounds, and to restore the earth to balance. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host tonight on Circle Talk. Tonight, we're going to be talking to Dr. Zohara Hieronymus. Jay Zohara Meyerhoff Hieronymus, DHL, is an award-winning radio broadcaster, social justice, and environmental activist, and professional artist. She founded the Ruscombe Mansion Community Health Center in Baltimore in 1984. She hosted the national radio program Future Talk until 2008 and co-hosts 21st Century Radio with her husband, Robert Hieronymus. She lives in Owen Mills, Maryland, and is the author of several books, including the one we're going to talk about tonight, White Spirit Animals, Prophet of Change. Welcome, Zoe. Having me. Well, this is, and I, I told you before, this is a subject it's very interesting to me, and I, I didn't know a lot about. So I'm really excited to share it with all of our, our listeners. Um, and to get me started, what exactly are white spirit animals? Well, the white spirit animals are very particular animals that within each of their species, they are white unlike the rest of their family kin. So the white bear of British Columbia's rainforest, the white lions of Timbavati, Africa, are white, unlike the more blonde lion, or the white buffalo, which is sacred to the Lakota, um, and then the white elephants, which are sacred to the Hindu and Buddhist faiths. White animals are revered, what we discover. These particular animals, they're not albinos. These are, though there are many, many white animals, and at my website, mm-hmm. whitespiritanimals.com, I share some of those that have been assembled by others. Um, But these are animals that are revered by elder traditions worldwide, whether it's the Zulu of Africa or the Cherokee of the United States or the Hindus or the Buddhists of India, etc. And what they have found is that the stories associated with each of these particular apex mammals, and that's important to say whether it's the white wolf or the white bear or the white lion or the white buffalo or the white elephant, these are all apex guardians of major ecosystems, and that's one of the things that they all share in common. They also are all endangered. They all face extinction. They are also the ones that men like to hunt, kill, trap, um, experiment on, do all kinds of aberrant things, put into slavery, whether in species prisons or in entertainment farms. These are animals that elder lore has always um, shown us are our teachers, our elder teachers. So bear is an example, and the white spirit bear, um, not only do they all presume to remind us of the last ice age and that they helped us survive, and that's one of the things they all share in common among all the stories about all of them, is that they come when Mother Nature is about to cleanse herself and when Mm -hmm. humanity is in need of assistance, which we definitely are. Um, So I'll save some of the stories for a little later on, but those are some of the things that the white spirit animals all share in common. So I've already learned something because so so these archetypes are based on actual real white animals in our system. I did not know that. Well, these, yes, these are mammals that, you know, right. again, a white lion, a white bear, a white wolf, a white elephant, a white buffalo, you can go see them. But for centuries, other than perhaps the white elephant and the white wolf, which were visible, and the white elephants, as an example, in Thailand are always owned by the mm-hmm. king when found, 
most -hmm. of these animals have been rare, seldom seen by humans, and First Nations peoples, indigenous peoples who have always revered them and understood the importance of them, have done their best not to talk about them to outsiders. It's really Mm -hmm. only in the last 50 years or so that the awareness of the white spirit animal has moved into the general culture. Not only has ecotourism made some of that possible and film and the Internet and art connectivity, but the fact is is that there are more of them, and I believe it is they who are choosing to make themselves apparent to humans. Why did you decide to write a book about them? I actually had a vision about them. You know, all of the books and all of my career changes, which is about four or five, every ten years I seem to shift, um, come as a result of a vision. I had a waking vision while washing the dishes in 2013. It makes me think of, you know, chop wood, carry water. It's really mm-hmm. true. As they teach you, you know, there's no spirituality outside your daily life. So there I was washing the dishes, and all of a sudden in March of 2013, I found myself surrounded by a white whale and a white shark and a white giraffe and a white bear and a white buffalo, etc. And I appreciated through just the feeling of all of them that this was important and that I was standing before revered elders. And as I've learned to do in non-local consciousness work, when you make contact with the spirit of anything, whether it's the tree or a human or a deceased dog, um, that there is a, um, what's the right word, a level of respect and reverence that comes with the relationship. So I said to them immediately, why have you come to me, and what can I do mm-hmm. for you? And it was as if in a single voice that I could understand, they said, we want you to tell our story. And they wanted me to tell it in the way they thought it was important. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a good telepath. I'm a waking telepath, and I have been for much of my life. But I had never practiced dream telepathy like shamans do in medicine men and women and other healers who use Mm -hmm. dreams to get information. So I decided that I would work with these species specifically through dream telepathy, thinking that this would be the best way to convey their story. And the reason for that is in waking telepathy or in anything we do with the conscious mind awareness, um, we can get in the way. You know, we can start judging it. We can try to evaluate it. We can name it. All the things that kind of get in the way of whole knowing. But when we're asleep, for the most part, that conscious I is not Mm -hmm. busy judging, qualifying, describing, you know, commenting. So I practice dream telepathy the way the shamans do and the way everybody can to get any information about anything, anywhere, anytime. And I wanted to see if I could do it, then I believe anybody can do it. And I, and I still believe that. So I wanted to see how is this done and how might it help us help the earth and how might it help us help the animals. And so that's what I share in the book, White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change, is the stories they share with me through dreams. And I know you're a telepath. What is, I'm not familiar with the term, what is a waking telepath? What is a what? Awake, awaken, you said you were a waking telepath. So there's different kinds of telepathic communication or trans-species communication or animal communication or communication with anything. Um, One is while you're awake. So a waking telepath like I am right now, you would say, you know, could you tell me what my dog needs, and then I'd tell you. A dream telepath would go to sleep on it. I would say, well, let me get back to you tomorrow after I've had a chance to sleep on it. 
And then what I would do is the same thing you do in dowsing or even forms of out-of-distance healing, um, to come mm-hmm. into rapport with anything at a distance, whether um, a thousand miles away or, or your neighbor next door whom you're doing these exercises with, you call mm-hmm. that person or thing to your heart three times. So I would say, Deborah, Deborah, let's say I wanted to dream about you, Deborah. Mm-hmm. And I would try to feel what that feeling is when I feel love and openness for you. And then I'd say, mm-hmm. Deborah, tell me in my sleep what it is I can do for you. All right, so another example would be, let's say someone in the audience has, an, has a family member that's not feeling well. You can say mm-hmm. their name, picture what they look like, feel what they feel like, um, be grateful for the fact that you are now one, and then ask, and in my dream, would universe please reveal to me how I might be of service? You know, the cornerstone, I think, Deborah, to all of this kind of non-local consciousness work and the work that Wiccans do in general, uh, and specifically speaking to your audience, is to come mm-hmm. into rapport with anything, A, requires a reverence and a respect for that which we're coming into rapport with as being sentient beings, whether it's a tree or, or a cat. Um, they all have consciousness because everything is a light frequency. Everything is a vibration. Our talent as the human is we have, we're biocapacitors. So we have mm-hmm. the ability to take in signals, have them translated into a language we know, that's telepathy, where anybody mm-hmm. and anything can speak to you, even though we all speak a different language. The language mm-hmm. of love translates, I believe, through the soul into the language unique to the hearer. Can you can someone um, learn to do dream uh, telepathy? Can someone what? Learn to do dream telepathy? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll give you some really simple practices. So, mm-hmm. um, and you can do it with other people too. But the easiest thing is to pick something you want to know something about. And, and let's say let's say you have a, a dog. Okay, I have dogs, so I'm always thinking about dogs, and I do a lot of dog <laughs> reading. And your dog, you know, isn't feeling well all of a sudden, and you don't know why. You don't want to go to the vet because you don't think it's necessarily what the vet's going to think it is. Um, mm-hmm. And so you say to your dog before you go to sleep, you picture them. You call them into your heart three times. You say, I'd really like to be of service to you. Again, humility and the desire for service is really the keynote here, in my opinion, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ask them to tell you what they need. Now, what happens is you need to be prepared to wake up in the middle of the night and write down what you dream. You may mm-hmm. not get anything or you may not remember anything, but don't believe that that means nothing happened. Do it the next night and the night after. Sometimes, like as I detail in the book, sometimes I would get, here's an example. For three nights in a row, Mm -hmm. I was working with Elephant at the time. And the way I wrote this book was for a year before I even submitted the book to my publisher, Inner Traditions, Bear & Company, who have published all my other works, I practiced Mm -hmm. this work for a year of dreaming with each animal. And I'd spend time with each sequentially. So first I'd dream about bear for several months and then lion, and then wolf, and then elephant, and then buffalo, before studying them. You know, of course, I'm sure I know something because I'm an animal lover and I've interviewed lots of people in my lifetime. But I didn't specifically study their habitats, their behavior, their histories, their elder lore associations, nothing. I wanted this authentic, personal communication. So as an example, when I was dreaming with elephant, 
three mm-hmm. nights in a row I had this image of these two men and I could not place it. And finally on the third night I got who they were. It was Charlie Rose, the TV host, and mm-hmm. the former Senator John Warner. Now, fortunately today, unlike the shamans of yesteryear, um, we can get information from the tree or the animal or a deceased loved one on the other side who's giving us information, Mm -hmm. and then go look it up on the Internet. So what I did was I went to my magic Google ball, and I did a very minimal Mm -hmm. search of Charlie Rose and Elephant. And then I did another one that was Senator John Warner and Elephant. And what came up mm-hmm. was that Charlie Rose had done an expose on the hideous barbarism of the ivory trade and the decimation of elephant community and matriarchal memory and et cetera, et cetera. And Senator John Warner had participated at Washington Lee, his alma mater, during a mock Republican convention at which they had a real live, I think it was Barnum and Bailey's elephant, named Jewel. There was a tenderness that that the senator expressed with this elephant. So these dreams that the elephants were showing me was a teaching that is very true, mm-hmm. that any good thing any of us do, any kind word, any kind feeling, any kind action, any kind thought, is remembered by the universe. And in this case, I learned about the elephant's great acts of gratitude. They were saying that these two men expressed something tender towards us and we are expressing our gratitude so that's also teaching of the great anthroposophist rudolf steiner the visionary seer Mm -hmm. who said look at all of our love all of those things that we project with good intention into the world even if the seed doesn't grow to a flower or we can't see it manifest don't don't ever undervalue the importance of our loving acts and our acts of love and generosity and our kind thoughts and our prayers, because this is really watering the seeds of the future for all that is good and well. A while ago, you mentioned shamanism. Um, is that part of the story, the white spirit animal? Well, shamans generally work with one or more animals as a way to garner information and powers. And the more animals a shaman works with, in general, the more power they have. So often you'll see a medicine man or a shaman, each in their ecosystems, working with the animals indigenous to their ecosystem. So someone in the North American continent might be working with buffalo, bear, and wolf. Somebody in Africa might be working with lion, rhinoceros, and zebra. Somebody else somewhere else would work with other animals. The The purpose of a shaman coming into rapport or a person working in spirit realm for service of earth with other animals is to learn and acquire the particular power that that animal has and to be able to almost shapeshift into the presence of that animal. So let's say I needed to get information quickly and far, um, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a question of flight. I might choose the wolf because the wolf is very stealth and can move very quickly and goes about eight hours a day. So when we choose an animal, well, I was going to say, when we choose an animal to work with, these are also very um, sacred relations. You know, I think sometimes all the shamanistic workshops and spirit traveling and soul retrieval that people can do at these weekend introductions and further further experiential sort of group work Mm -hmm. is important. But it's also really vital to appreciate that these are sacred commitments that the animals are making to us when we call them. 
when we call something at a distance to come to us in spirit, and they do, um, it's a vital decision they've made to help us. And so the respect we show them is a very important sacred contract. It's, it's an irrevocable trust, the same kind of trust you have with another healer or another professional in whom you share your life story. So I just wanted to remind people that when we call a bird or we call another animal of sorts to assist mm-hmm. us in something, that it's, a, it's just to be very reverent that these are real beings with real destinies. So, um, so it's not like you choose an animal or an animal chooses you. You actually um, spending time with that, doing um, reaching out telepathy. You can you each, you can actually work with each animal. Yes, anybody can. I mean, in the same way, many people feel very intimate with their domestic animals that live in their home. Uh-huh. There are other people who feel a closeness and they work in sanctuary to, you know, abandoned um, birds or other mm-hmm. animals that have been injured in some way and they bring them and restore them. Or somebody who feeds the squirrels, somebody else might, you know, really like the wild rabbits. It's not so important the animal we choose, so it's particular to each person and their need and that animal's need. What is important is the relationship that's cultivated. For somebody else, they might have a love of their one little fish that lives in a little tiny fish bowl, and they have a Mm -hmm. real communication going on with that fish. What's important is the practice of the reverent communication, because it's all the same, whether it's a tree or a lion. It's about our becoming open quieting our monkey chatter of our own brain, um, Mm -hmm. suspending our judgment, opening our heart, and then listening. You know, a lot of people think that telepathy is a lot of talk. And I often joke that, no, it's actually a lot of listening. It's more as if um, you become almost like a translator. Let's say you know several languages and you're working for foreigners Mm -hmm. who've come to the country the the first time. You're going to be translating for them to everybody else, so you have to listen very closely. It's the same thing when you're an ambassador and working with animal spirits or nature spirits. You have to listen very closely to what they're trying to communicate so that you can share that with others. I know each of these animals, the bear, the lion, the elephant, wolf, and buffalo, you talked about they were sacred to um, specific indigenous cultures. Correct. Is there anything that they have all in common, whether someone is Buddhist or Hindu or Cherokee? Is there something that they, they have in common? I didn't hear the last part. Sometimes your voice is going a little bit in and oh, out. I'm I didn't sorry. Hear, that's is, right. I just is, didn't hear the last there, part of your question. Is there anything that these animals have all in common. Yes. Um, They all are here to tell us to restore the earth. You know, the way Wolf put it in a series of dreams, and I'll just tell you the short part of it, it was um, Mm -hmm. I saw an African-American man in these dreams in an empty truck, and he assured me he was going to fill it up with produce and, you know, take it around to all the food deserts, which makes total sense to me, a mobile food Mm -hmm. truck. But he kept naming it something different. In another series, I did a lot of three-night dream series, which is interesting when I tell it because I didn't think about it at the time. One night he said preservation. Another night he said conservation. Another night restoration. He just couldn't decide what to call his truck. A few days Mm -hmm. later, I finally got the riddle. If you unscramble the words, it spells C-P-R. 
the oh, wolf there you is go. telling us the earth needs CPR, conservation, preservation, and restoration. But that's how oh. desperate it is. So what they all share in common is, A, they are definitely calling to humans to come to their elder council. I didn't call them. They mm-hmm. called me. They are asking all of us to save as many of them as we can because each of them presides over massive ecosystems. Like here in America, the re-arising of the buffalo, to me, is just the stunning fulfillment of Lakota prophecy coming real. And the Mm -hmm. fact that Obama, our last president, named the bison, that's their scientific name, I still like to call them buffalo, Um, the mammal of North America is a very good sign, because while we decimated and then committed genocide and animal side on the natives and the buffalo population together on purpose, meaning the Congress did, um, the fact that they're re-arising tells us about the spirit of the land, because the buffalo gave the people everything they needed. They know what it is to sacrifice their body for humans. They know what it is to elevate humans to being generous, compassionate, and grateful. They're really the teachers of gratitude, but their purpose is to restore the soil. So even now, geological scientists and others and agronomists are starting to appreciate that the buffalo are what keep us from turning soil to prairie because they turn it over and then there's more water and more life in the microbial Mm -hmm. life and it's just healthier soil, which is the foundation of a healthy planet. And that's also a message they all shared in common, which is from the ground up, baby. That's basically the way they put it. Restore the soil first, and from that will come the wise economy, the smart agriculture, the smart human relations, etc. The other thing they all shared in common, I didn't know till I got at the end of the book, which is they all said that we as humans have lost what they all have, which is an ethos of care. As mammals... Mm-hmm. And as matriarchal cultures, they place the mother and child as the center of their community, their history, their purpose. Humans have done exactly the reverse. In fact, 60% of all humans trafficked across international lines are girls for sex indenturement, 60%. We're talking about millions of children being trafficked around this planet and others, as we know. So they're telling us that, look, you really have to improve relations among yourselves, and the quickest way to do that is to restore the appreciation and love of the mother and the child. And that's what Bear teaches us. You know, they're the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper, that's Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, which is the mother and her bear cub in the heavens protecting where all our longitudes on Earth come together. So it tells us that the mother and the child is where all of humanity comes together. I know as we've talked tonight, you talked a little bit about um, something, each one of the um, great apex mammals. Can you go through them and just tell us a little bit about each one of them? Sure, I'd be happy to. Why don't we start with Bear? You know, Bear is the great earth healer. And in my dreams, Bear showed me herbs that were right for healing and herbs that were used for smudge and smoke medicine, which is probably one of the ways Native persons first learned about how to heal in this way. And they said that when you bring the smudging of sage and cedar grass, then with pipe and prayer ceremony, first you invite spirit in, and then you marry spirit to the community. And that's a bear teaching. Bear also, as you know, because of its hibernation, is telling us to prepare for changes now, to prepare food and housing for the millions and millions of people that are being displaced and the billions Mm -hmm. that will be displaced during Earth changes. 
Um, Bear is also, you know, this remarkable patient being that always has this capacity. I guess the right word is to patiently gather what needs to be gathered. Um, also, there's an interesting history with Bear, which is it shape-shifting with women. You know, we call the woman the bearer of life, and in some cultures mm-hmm. we still a pregnant woman is called a bear. But um, this particular, the white bear, comes from the Great Bear Rainforest, and the good news is as of February 2016, they are now going to conserve 19 million acres of the rainforest. So not only do we get all our medicinals from there, but we get so much of our oxygen. So I think the keynote for bear is healer, teacher, mother. Um, of how to bring things together. The lion is the prescient guardian of the world. You know, in ancient matriarchal cultures in Sumeria, Babylonia, etc., the lion was considered the goddess and the protectress, the queen of heaven. And you often mm-hmm. saw queens, physical earth-ruling queens, with lions on leashes at her feet because they were telepathic and they could see through lions' eyes. You know, all of these animals and the humans that associate with them take on their abilities and then have this, as we've talked about earlier, the powers that they have. So a bear shaman is generally a healer. I have a picture of a Lakota bear shaman healer in the book. Um, The lions, interestingly enough, you know, they traditionally have been shot as a sign of manhood among the Maasai and others, and there's now an effort there um, for the Maasai actually to become lion guardians. You know, in each of these instances, and I profile it in the book, there are human champions of each of these endangered species, and there are Mm -hmm. communities that are really changing the way they're used. Like bears have always been imprisoned and used for dancing but they were tortured to get to the point of dancing. Well, that's now been outlawed worldwide. And many of the Mm -hmm. prior dancing bears who were tortured now live in bear sanctuary. Um, Lions represent at the broader level um, the gemstone of the heart. They're like the green lion of alchemy that turns everything impure to gold, which is telling Mm -hmm. us that our heart, our capacity for love, has the ability to refine everything about our nature and our character to a refined, pure intention of love. So it's basically the lion tells us that our noble-hearted purpose is to protect the earth. And one of the things that Lion taught me was that they say the most important thing to do is to close the ozone hole. And then they added, and close the hole in your hearts. I mean, I have to say, Deborah, they're just so wise. You know, the thing about animals versus humans is animals are very wise and simple, and they don't mess Mm -hmm. up the message with a lot of psychological overlay or a lot of you know, excuses for things. They're very, very clear. Elephant um, have the same lifespan as a human, you know, at least 80 years. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. the other animals, the males are weaned a little earlier than the females, but it's the mother in each of these cultures that teaches each animal how to find food, how to build shelter, how to be in community, how to clean themselves, how to hunt, how to prepare food. You know, it's... it's, um, Because they're matriarchies, it's important to understand that the mother does the educating of the entire community, of male and female. And then some of the males go off with the older males for their own hunting until they team up with somebody for breeding. But it's a fascinating reality. The elephant is really the teacher of compassion. And it's no wonder that Buddha 
felt that the elephant was the most evolved species on Earth, maybe more than humans, mm-hmm. um, because they are the most gentle. They're associated with the Milky Way and are said to stir the Milky Way into manifestation, meaning they stir creation to happen. Um, there used to be 350 species of elephant, but because we've destroyed almost all of them, now there's only two. Um, not only do they teach us compassion, but they also show community for young and old. And um, they're, they're these great bringers of water. So humans follow elephants to get water the same way that animals will follow elephants to get water. There's a beautiful um, program going on teaching compassionate training of elephants. You know that they've always been terribly abused by the circuses and the zoos and the mayhuts that use them for whatever they're going to use them for. And and Carol Buckley um, is teaching now compassionate training so they don't have to torture these poor animals in order to break their spirit to obey. I mean, I I do tell the truth. An elephant made clear that that's what they wanted. They said, don't sugarcoat humans' brutality. You know, it's very important that humans understand the choices they're making now have far-ranging consequences for centuries to come. Um, where are we? We're up to, well, there's also a good elephant story I share about the man that is called the Elephant Whisperer, Lawrence Anthony, who when he passed away, elephants he hadn't seen for over a year and a half from different herds started showing up at his home on the range in Africa to pay their condolences. And now every year on the anniversary of his death they show up. That's telepathy. That's oh, elephant wow. showing love and gratitude. It's a beautiful story. Just Google Lawrence Anthony, and you all will just love the story. Um, wolf, you know, wolf is fascinating to me, and I think so many Americans have such a close affinity with wolf because wolf is really the longest-lived companion we've had as humans. Tamarack mm-hmm. Song, who writes beautiful books about tracking animals and knowing animals, um, says, you know, in our limbic system we're wired to wolf because wolf taught us how to hunt. Wolf taught us how to organize our society. Um, they have a 25-year lifespan, and they are the great shapeshifters. There is no culture in which wolf is revered where wolf doesn't shapeshift to human and human back to wolf. Um, mm-hmm. And they're considered, as I mentioned, not only the guardians of the Milky Way Road, but they are really like Anubis, the guardian of life and death for humans. So when we cross the threshold, it is wolf that guards our spirit. In the same way the Japanese say that a wolf, a white wolf will appear in the midnight and take you to your home safely. I mean, there's just so many fascinating stories. So we're finally up to the buffalo. And the buffalo live 40 to 50 years. Um, Again, I think I mentioned a little earlier, they show this majestic generosity for others. They're not meant to be corralled. They're not meant to be burger food. They're meant to be our great migrators to reinvigorate the soils across the continental United States. And I am hoping that those who are working for the buffalo's freedom and not for their commodification like we have the cow, because they're not cows, they have a different purpose, um, is that they really need to roam and they need to roam their ancestral pathways because this is where spirit trails are on our northern continent. Um, And there's a great deal of effort doing it. You know, actually, buffalo, I met buffalo years before I began this work. Six white spirit buffalo came to me as my protectors, and they've been just such great guardians and teachers. I describe a story in the book, Deborah, where they helped me find a runaway horse that people couldn't find. It took five days, but we got them. 
through your dreams. Tell me about that. That's tell me a little bit about that. About the dreams of what? Yeah. How how did they give you the information about the runaway horse? Did they come in your dreams? No, that was a waking telepathy work. Um, my niece called me saying that somebody at her, a friend of hers at an equestrian farm, one of their horses, had run away. And it was a horse who had been brought up from Florida. And they had human trackers and they had helicopters and they had equestrian rescue teams all over, looking for him all over the county. And she called me at night and she said, can you try to find him? And so I did what a telepath does. You can call them up. I always joke you call them up on the telepathic line. And uh, all you have to do when you want to call someone or something at a distance, whether it's a relative who's traveling, you know, a thousand miles away and you're concerned or your children who have gone off to college or they're having a baby and you can't get there, is call their name. Literally tell them that you're calling, you know, not pick up the phone, but in your mind and in your heart you call Mm -hmm. them. And you let them know that you want to hear from them. And I promise you, at some point within the hour, you'll either have a thought of confirmation or they'll pick up a phone and call you. But I practice this with my children all the time so that as they've grown up, we're much more connected telepathically. And it gives everybody a sense of well-being because, you know, when Indians used to make the big smoke signals from mountain to mountain or hill to hill, it's not as though the smoke signal itself was giving information, though there were some basic dots and dashes. It was really Mm -hmm. tuned in because we're sending you a telepathic message. Tune in. So in this case, I tuned into Coppertop and I followed him along his different journeys and kept telling him what he should do and he kept telling me what he was doing they all said that you know he ran away and that he you know was afraid of the car horn or something that's not what he told me he told me he thought he could go right back to his pasture in florida we live in maryland this was you know almost Mm -hmm. 900 plus miles away he believed he was going to go to his horses and his barn by jumping the fence So animals also, what's beautiful about animals and nature beings when they come in communion with you is what they tell you is very direct and simple. It's really not generally very complicated. We complicate it. You know, let's say you want to know what the stream in your neighborhood needs because you know it's not as bright and brilliant as it used to be. And Mm -hmm. it says to you, uh, I, I want you to come and give me a prayer of love every day. And you think to yourself... That's not going to do anything, but it does. You know, I think, I think Deborah, the big thing about the white spirit animals and why they're now coming into human focus and why their message is becoming so important is what they're saying to all of us is we're all connected. I always joke it's all of us together or it's all of us together. <laughs> there's really there's really no other way that is that is what's real no matter how different our experiences are or how separate we feel from each other and the world around us we're not so the animals are really coming to tell us wake up improve the world around you and as i always say and the life within us because the outer world is a manifestation of our inner worlds collectively So the local focus that each one of us can make, we've all sort of gotten sidelined a bit over the last 30, 40 years with this globalization and Internet and all these wonderful social media techniques and traveling here and there and not having to stay anywhere for long. Mm -hmm. But the truth is we each incarnate somewhere and then we each take up residence somewhere. And where we are, even if we're travelers, every place we go we can elevate And the simplest way to elevate every place we go is with a prayer. 
You know, may I elevate the sparks of creation wherever I am. But in terms of where our power is and where our work is and why it will be so successful at making the earth more resilient, because that's what all the animals are saying, we need to become more resilient. That's why saving each of them is so important, because the ecosystems under them without them will collapse, and we are losing so many species a year. But in our local economies and our local ecologies and our local communities is where each of us has our greatest power. It's where we radiate from. So by working there, we can make changes that when everybody does this worldwide, you end up making better land choices, better choices about development, better choices of distribution of economy. You know, I think there's a lot of... um, What's the right word? We're not educated well about where we really stand as a civilization now. Um, There was a report in 2014 by the World Wildlife Fund that really floored me when I read it. Um, They said that between 1970 and 2010, we lost 52%, 52% of Earth's wild vertebrate population. That's mammals, 52% of mammals. 52% 52% of birds, 52% of reptiles, 52% of amphibians and fish. It's called the sixth extinction. Well, we're in the sixth extinction. We're losing 27,000 species a year at a background rate of what historically would be 1 to 10. So they estimate that within 30 years, 50% of all Earth species will be extinct. So when I met these great white spirit elders, the first question I asked them after asking what I could do for them and why they come to me, I said, how can we save more life on Earth? And that's when these animal elders said to me, save as many of us as you can. That means the white whale, the white porpoises. It means the whales, the porpoises. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean just saving the white animals in each species. It means save their species, save the bear, save the lion, save the elephant, save the buffalo, save the wolf, etc. because without them, the forests, the fields, the savannas, all these, the rainforests um, will be disassembling much more rapidly. So they're here to help us and to teach us and to work with us. You know, animals will warn us before fires. Animals will warn us before tsunamis. I describe in the book how In 2011 or so, I decided I wanted to do this work with wild animals, having worked with domestic animals my whole life. And I thought, oh, I'll go to the zoo and do some telepathic work with the zoo animals. But then I said, no, all I'll do is cry. It will be way too sad for me. Even though Mm -hmm. they know many of them deliberately are making a sacrifice to educate humans, none of them are in balance because it's not healthy to be in a prison. And um, so instead... I decided that I'd just wait and see where spirit led me. And what happened was I started having a series of hearings, would be the right word, of animals screaming all at once, birds and snakes and lions and bears, just screaming like in pain and fear and agony. And this went on for about two weeks. This is just when I opened up my switchboard. You know, I went, all right, I'm available. And this came Mm -hmm. flooding in. And I thought to myself, oh, my Lord. And I said to my husband, Bob, I'll never be able to do this telepathy work with wild animals if they all scream and yell at once. Well, this went on for two weeks. And then finally it just stopped. And it stopped on the day of the horrible tsunami in Japan when the Fukushima nuclear reactor exploded. Mm -hmm. They were trying to warn me, but I didn't know. You know, I had tuned Uh into, let's say, an animal warning channel, but I didn't know what I had tuned into. 
So they're here to help us, and people will tell you that. They're now collaring sheep in certain upland regions in Europe because the sheep come down before the avalanches. You know, start, people are starting to appreciate what indigenous people have always known. If you want to know something about the earth, watch the animals. They lead their purposes nobly without interruption. There's certainly aberrations today because they've been so traumatized by human activity and changes in the ecosystem doing things they wouldn't normally do. But for the most part, they do their very best to carry out their duty, whatever that is, and they do so without any complaints. I mean, you think about the abuse that we've heaped on billions and billions of animals to the point that academia runs on the torture of animals as an economy, um, this has to stop. Um, and Dr. Gay Bradshaw, who wrote the book Elephants on the Edge, has shown us and has founded Transspecies Psychology. We have to stop pretending that humans have some form of entitlement to the abuse and misuse of animals, resources, etc., of other life forms. You know, Darwin, if he were alive, would bemoan what people have done in his name because his greatest pride, his accomplishment, he felt of all his work was showing that there's no such thing as a human entitlement, that we are not species entitlement. We are not better than the animals. We certainly have, we just have a different purpose. Our cultures are very similar. Our communities are similar. Our needs are similar. Our purposes are different. And to think that people have turned his teachings into, you know, dog-eat-dog world, that was not what he believed, and nor what he wrote. So that was the church and the status quo changing things for, you know, some sort of monarchical control. But um, when we look at the white spirit animals as prophets of change, that's really what they are. And that's how they're regarded in all of the indigenous tribals communities that revere them and have legends and stories handed down throughout the centuries about them, at least since the last Ice Age 10,000 years ago. How did writing this book, um, did it change you? How did it affect you? Oh, great question. That's so much fun. I ask my guests that question a lot, too, because it always interests me. Um, Mm -hmm. It changed me profoundly. Firstly, I was very sick during much of it, even went to the hospital and ER, and it was Bear who really helped me that night. Well, they all did, actually, but Bear really gave me some lessons about healing with minerals. Um, It made me much more compassionate about humans, who I'm not always so compassionate towards because I'm so disappointed in humanity. Mm -hmm. I'm so disappointed in what we've done to this beautiful planet that is ours to treasure, protect, and guard. Um, They made me appreciate because of their great forgiveness and their great compassion towards humanity. As Matata, a bonobo, who I talk about in the beginning of the book, who actually started my odyssey with wild animals when she appeared to me in my bedroom, you know, not physically, but I could see her astrally. Um, She just made it very clear, as did all of them. She said, you know, we don't judge humans. This was what she said to me in one of our 30-some recorded conversations that I had over a couple years before I even began this book work. Um, She Mm -hmm. said, we don't judge humans. They lost their feet when they got wings. And what she meant was when we learned to fly, we forgot how to walk. And I thought it was like, and and that's true with all the teachings that these animals present. They're also wise. So firstly, it showed me without a doubt something I had always felt as a child, that these are wise beings. 
it's now totally confirmed for me that they are. The other thing is what I always felt as a child is that they're real and they talk. You know, as a child, I always had conversations with animals and believed I was talking to them and that they were talking to me. And then adults make you think it's all in your imagination. And now as an adult myself, I can tell children, no, it's very real. (laughs) These are real things that are really taking place. So firstly, some compassion for humanity. Secondly, extraordinary um, regard and reverence for all of the creations that are on our earth because creation is immaculate. And to think that we can despoil something that is so majestic um, motivates me more to love more. I think I came out of it a more loving person um, because I was a very angry activist much of my life as an environmental activist and as an animal and human rights activist. And these animals have suffered so much for so many centuries, and yet they are so still full of compassion and love and such a desire to be of service to humans um, that it makes you weep with embarrassment, if nothing else, for how lacking in humility we as a species are. And that's what they teach us. So it changed me in that way. It also calmed me down, truthfully. I've always been sort of in a hurry to fix the world, and it's coming apart, and this and that. And I was a political activist and a whistleblower. It really calmed me down to know that um, we're going to be okay. Like every civilization, there's rise and fall, comings and goings, inhales and exhales. But I do know that we have an obligation to do as much as we can to bring the earth back into balance. It's not like I feel like, oh, we should just do nothing and let it all fall apart as quickly as possible. I don't believe that. I believe it's our job to restore balance as quickly as we can, and the animals show us how. So if we stop appropriating their habitats, protect their lands, give them the right to exist as sentient beings without the fear of being shot, stolen, killed, maimed, experimented on, or whatever, so they can thrive and elevate the spirit at the level of consciousness they operate in, um, they can help keep nature intact. You know, nature can stay intact without humans. Nature does not stay intact without animals. So they are the preservers of Gaia's body, and they are her darling children, and she will do everything she can to protect them. And if it means, as I used to say, vomiting us up, being humans with tsunamis and earthquakes and massive loss of human life, that will take place. So we have a choice, and that's what the animals are telling us. You know, do the best you can. Um, Do loving good deeds for the earth around you and the people around you. Loving prayers are very powerful. Don't ever underestimate the importance of prayer and meditation. Um, And they come into loving union, that they're calling us home. You know, they're calling us home to come home together. And we can all do this, both during our waking life and our sleeping life. We can be of great service in our dreams. And it might not even be to dream a solution as much as to journey. You know, um, Dawn Brunke wrote a beautiful book on dreaming with polar bears, where the polar bears were dreaming her into their dreams, and then she started dreaming them. So they're animals that will be calling you. And just pay attention to what they tell you, because they definitely want to make a difference in the trajectory of our civilization on planet Earth. That's so interesting. I need to do more research. Um, It wasn't a white, but... um Many years ago, I had a series of, like, three dreams, and it involved a whale, which is not something oh, that, I've, that I've actually even seen in real life. But 
Yeah, at the time I just thought it was a weird dream that I'll have to. No, that's a beautiful sign, honey. You know, the whale is the mother of planet Earth. The whale is really the mother of all, and um, she needs to be protected because without the whale, the oceanic ecosystem collapses. You know, they remind us that all our thoughts and all our feelings travel around the world at the speed of light. Well, actually, it's quicker than the speed of light, according to some. Um, And so it's very important when you think about that mammalian tradition, it's the same. The females stay together for life. I cannot believe it's been an hour. You have been a fabulous guest. Um, Thank you so much for taking time to be on Circle Talk. I I really enjoyed it, and our listeners did. Well, thank you, and go to whitespiritanimals.com there's lots of interesting information that's not my own but it is rising people are becoming aware and all of us have a great job to do just by learning to love more and to do more for the good of the earth right and everyone remember her book is white animal spirits prophets of change by dr zohara hieronymus Um, and if you'd like uh, more information she told you to go to her website which is www.whitespiritanimals.com. And this book and her other books can be found at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or Inner Traditions Bear Company, which is found at www.innertraditions.com. I'd like to thank David, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. I'd like to thank Pagans tonight on Blog Talk Radio for hosting our show. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Radio. And remember, we're here each Tuesday night. Each week we explore various topics of interest to the pagan community. We'll now transition our show with a musical selection. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. One spirit in the dark Like a candle Joined as one, burn with the power of the blazing sun. There is strength in community, a circle empowering you and me. A circle bunch has set us free. In the goddess name, so mode it be. 
community, a circle empowering you and me. A circle binds, yet sets us free. In the goddess name, so mote it be. Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 